Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, this podcast in association with TNT Sports. And it's with me, Simon Hughes. And me, Simon Mann. And we're joined in the second half of this podcast by the founder of Hawkeye, Paul Hawkins, to explain how Hawkeye exactly works and the processes, etc., which has been a, a big talking point through this series with various slightly controversial looking decisions and lots of comment on social media and in the press about Hawkeye. So we're going to try and answer some of those questions and explain exactly how the process works after the break. But before that, obviously, we're going to consider the final day of the fourth test in Ranchi. It was tight. It was tense. But in the end, India's supremacy at home told and they won, of course, by five wickets. You will all know that by now. And they've therefore won the Series 3-1. And it is the 17th series that they've won at home in a row since 2013, which is comfortably a record. Amazing performance, really. Fantastic. It j- just shows how hard it is to do what England were trying to do over the last three or four weeks, what they were trying to do uh, today and over the last few days in Ranchi. It feels to some extent a little bit like one that sort of got away from England. They, uh, they did have opportunities in the game, but you've got to give huge credit to India to come back like they did on the third day. Fantastic. They just will not be beaten at home. And today they were under pressure. And I thought it was a wonderful partnership between two quality young players. Shubman Gill really stood up. And Jurel, what a test match he's had. By head and shoulders for me, the player of the match. His innings... In the first innings, that 90 may got India right back in the game, I and mean, they were sort of they were out of it really, weren't they? At one stage, 177 for seven, but that innings of 90 got them right back in the game, gave them some hope, gave their bowlers some hope, and today came in in a really crunch moment, 120 for five. India just lost five for 36. I think I'm, I'm right in saying I think England went to favourites on the betting exchanges at that point, and he plays so calmly. Jarrell 39 not out. Gill. Fabulous as well, absorbed the pressure. And India, in the end, they you, know, you look at it, five wickets. There was a degree of comfort, wasn't there, in their ultimate uh, victory? Yeah, it, what, there was. And, and you, you point about, uh, make a point about Drew Jurel. You must listen to le- yesterday's podcast, actually, because uh, I read out a message from his coach from the Rajasthan Royal, Zubin Baracha, uh, talking about his total dedication just prior to this test match, actually, the amount of time he spent preparing for this game. And he really excelled, didn't he? And if you think about the, the this Indian team missing the star players that they have been missing, obviously Kohli, uh, they've also been missing Mohammed Shami, Rishabh Pant, Kale Rahul, you know, four guys that you would absolutely ink in to their, to their front-line team, their first-choice team. Bumrah was rested as well, and still they've come up trumps here and unearthed a, a player in Jurel who could easily bat in the top five. You know, he's coming in at number seven. He's the wicketkeeper. He's only in his second test match. But the way he played, and actually I posted on social media today some clips of him working the ball around uh, for singles. Just a beautiful balance at the crease, lovely recognition of the length, ability to angle the face and and, and position the ball, steer the ball into gaps. Uh, Just really busy, 
and uh, nimble at the crease. Far more superior, I thought, actually, to the way Shubman Gill played. Shubman Gill was quite static for a, a lot of his innings. Uh, they really discovered someone there. And, you know, they've got a sort of embarrassment of riches when all these other players come back into the side. Uh, what happens to Jarrell? Because... You know, he looks a class player. I mean, Pant may obviously he's going to he's hoping to come back for the IPL, I believe, after his terrible car accident. But Jarrell, my goodness, I mean, what, what a player! You know, fantastic performance in both things, and he kept superbly and took some key catches as well. So they've unearthed a, a brilliant cricketer there. Rishabh Pant's going to be a hard player to keep out of the side because he's exciting as well, isn't he? He's a he's a wonderful talent. He's a, you know he's the sort of person you you, you pay money to watch. Uh, play cricket there was one moment for Jarrell he was on nine and he sliced a drive off Hartley it spun a bit it wasn't that dissimilar to uh, Johnny Bairstow's dismissal yesterday perhaps even Shoah Bashir I think Zach Crawley earlier in the series you know that big sort of slicing drive and it dropped just short of a backward point and that was the only moment really when he looked like being out I mean you, you talked about Jarrell being superior uh, to Gill I thought Gill yeah, really absorb pressure well. He's a talented young player. He's not perhaps had the success in Test cricket that his talent suggests he would have. But I mean, that was an innings of of, of some temperament, really. Uh, you know, he, again, he didn't really look like getting out. Fifty two off one hundred and twenty four balls, and it was he actually was it was so disciplined as well. I I think it was I'm, I think I'm writing saying his first boundary came off his 120th delivery. Now, that is some denial, isn't it, for a, for a player that we see in white ball cricket play some of the most scintillating shots imaginable. And I think I actually said last year during the IPL, this is some of the best white ball batting I've ever seen from Shubman Gill. So there's that sort of switch there, and he really came up with what he, he needed to produce uh, for his team. And, OK, it wasn't flashy, but it was mighty effective, and he, he wore England down. When you look back on the game, some aspects of it that England uh, will regret. And I, I think some of that bowling last night when they gave India 40 easy runs, or not, they weren't all easy, but there were a lot of easy balls there, weren't there? Some full tosses, there were some leg stump half volleys, and India you know, bounded away. And, you know, I was saying last night, you know, if it had been even 15 for no wicket at the close of play, something like that. And they got away again a bit today as well. And then suddenly England sort of got into them. It just shows what can happen on a, on a surface like that, Yoz. I think it also shows the value of experience, which England, in a way, negated last night because they sh- I think they should have bowled Jimmy Anderson uh, early on with the new ball. But instead, Stokes gave the, the, the new ball to, the, largely to the younger bowlers, to the guys who, you know, let's be fair, Shoaib Bashir and Tom Hartley have six test match appearances between them. And they were expected to perform with the the new ball in in association with Joe Root uh, on that uh, key third evening. And, you know, the inexperience show because of the momentum shift of the game, which India obviously had seized by taking those last seven England wickets for 35. There was there was tension in that dressing room and maybe overexcitement at trying to make something happen in those final eight overs. Maybe they tried a bit too hard. Maybe they were a bit too tense. And so it enabled India to get those key 40 runs. Today, to give those two young bowlers in particular huge credit, they managed to, I think they calmed themselves down a bit. I felt Tom Hartley slowed everything down himself today and, and took a bit more, bit more time between balls. And uh, Shoaib Bashir throughout the match has been immense. Eight wickets in the game all of them thoroughly deserved. He was still asking questions of those batters even towards the end. Look at the, the middle period of, of today's play. 30 overs, no boundaries conceded. Well, that was partly because the Indian batting was quite resolute and careful because they'd lost a few wickets. But for those two young bowlers to deny those classy Indian batsmen, no boundaries, 30 overs was absolutely fantastic. Uh, so, you know, they should hold their heads up high. They've done more than could possibly be expected of them in these conditions, in this situation. But in the end, England's bowling and batting just wasn't as, as good in the conditions as India's. Yeah, they're a class team, aren't they, India? And I, I, listening to Ben Stokes afterwards saying, you know, it was incredibly hard. You know, it was that uh, yesterday on that surface against that attack, it was incredibly difficult and just, 
you know, paying tribute to India's class spinners. I mean, you're, you're talking, aren't you, really, sort of comparing the two, you're talking about sort of mid-lower table sort of Premier League against sort of top two Premier League, aren't you? That, that's, that's what you're talking about. You're talking about the you know, Manchester City and Liverpool-type bowlers that India have, spin bowlers that they have. You know, they've been there, they've done it. They they picked up so many wickets, especially Jadeja and Ashwin. And you're talking about, you know, young players who haven't been there, who've got some ability, but the, the gap between them in terms of experience of bowling in those conditions on those pitches is, is huge, isn't it? And you, you, I suppose I was thinking about this the, this morning, what would it be like for someone like Shoah Bashir to go to India in, say, two tours' time, you know, eight, in eight years' time, if he, if he stays fit and everything sort of goes to plan? You'd think he would be able to cause some problems, you know, some serious problems there as a mature spin bowler in, in a couple of t- tours' time, possibly even the next tour as well. And you might say the same with Rehan Ahmed and you might even say the same with Tom Hartley as well. You know, one or two tours down the line in India, then that yeah they might be able to cause you know even more problems than they have. But it's, you know India India so tough in their own yeah. uh, conditions. No, I home. mean um, that that chasm in ability is reflected in the World Test Championship table, isn't it? Where India are actually second. I mean New Zealand are top. In fact, interestingly, but they haven't played many games. They played India four played, games. Yeah. yeah, India played a lot more games. Uh, India played eight games. Australia in third place with ten. England down at the bottom in eighth place uh, out of nine uh, with a a very poor point tally. But that's partly reflected in the penalties that they've suffered because of their slow over rate. But uh, one or two statisticians saying that even if England hadn't been penalised points wise, they would be in fifth place in that table uh, as opposed to India in second place. And they've lost more tests since 2023 than they've won as well, since the beginning of 2023. So we can get all uh, lyrical and, and praiseworthy about England and the, the way they've reinvented Test cricket and the excitement that they bring. But in terms of results, they've been disappointing. Well, we're talking about two series in the World Test Championship for England. That's all. So we're talking about a 2-2 Ashes. And they will say, well, what, you know, look at Manchester. We, we might well have won that game. It hadn't rained for the, the best part of two days. And we've been competitive in India. So they played the two best teams, I think, in the World Test Championship. Australia and India. Well, they, they were the finest last time round. And what England might look to are the series down the line. So it is about percentage. It's not total points. It's wins per game. So... England have the opportunity against West Indies and Sri Lanka at home this summer. They play six test matches and, of course, you know, inevitably they'll be desperate to win them all. So if they did uh, win them all in their own conditions, then suddenly they would shoot up the table because their percentage would in- increase enormously. They're probably going to have to be a bit uh, successful in the other two series they've got to play as well to get to the final. It's interesting, actually, when Ben Stokes was interviewed afterwards, well, you know, you've lost the series, Ben, but there's still uh, one more game to go. Rather than mentioning, oh, yeah, but the World Test Championship, you know, makes it a, a vital game, trying to get up the table and in- improve our percentage. He said, well, you know, every game you play for England is, you know, is important. You're playing for your country. So, you know, even at this, this stage, the World Test Championship doesn't seem to quite be on the radar. It's one of those things, actually, that, that seems to be more on the radar towards the back end of the tournament when you can actually see a potential path to the final but you know England although they've struggled uh, so far in terms of their World Test Championship position and not helped by their over rates then yeah they win some games at home then they'll they'll shoot up the table and, and possibly be in contention for being in the top two but they're going to still have to see off you know the likes of India and Australia and you know one or two others possibly as you say New Zealand has started well they've only played four test matches so far yeah and I suppose that's one of the reasons why the players don't take it all that seriously at the moment or at least don't focus on it because the the table is so warped by the number of games that different teams have played. Australia played 10, Bangladesh have played two. It does sort of rather skew the, the results, uh, of course. I mean, looking at today's play, I thought Sharma, Rohit Sharma played very well, got to 55. I, I, I sort of said at the start that he's someone who can command authority when he bats and can get an innings off to a great start even in difficult conditions, and he did that. So they got the opening stand at 84. Well, that mm. was almost half the target. Uh, then in England started to show some some strength, some cl- courage in taking wickets. I thought, Jimmy Anderson's catch. What about Jimmy Anderson's catch or Joe mm. Root? Jaiswell going for a big drive. The ball turned out of the rough, skewed to backward point. 
absolutely, you know, the, the catch of a 20-year-old uh, Jimmy mm. performed there. I think that he, he went off the field after that with a slight niggle. Uh, I wonder if uh, the exertions in the field, because he was he bowled a few overs at the start. He was chasing the ball to the boundary uh, when the spinners were bowling, and obviously that catch as well. Um, I, I wonder if he sort of just tweaked something there, but we'll see. I mean, he's got some fair bit of time to to recover because the next test isn't for about ten days. Yeah, really fine catch from Jimmy Anderson. Also as well, Rohit Sharma, the double out yards. You don't see that happen very often, do you? He nicked it behind and he was stumped. I haven't actually looked at the scorebook to see how it's gone down. I'm not sure what he was given out for. But caught. He, there he was, was given out he, caught. Right, OK. Well, he, was, he, did, he did feather it through and he, was, he walked off because he, he was well out of his ground as well. Folks took the, the ball and then whipped off the bales and then the technology later showed that there was a little feather uh, through to Ben Stokes. Yeah, and a, a killer opening partnership, really. And India are well on their way. Great base. But it does show, doesn't it, on a pitch like that, how you know wickets can just go in, in clusters. They got to 125. Patadar was out early on, caught at backward short leg by Pope. Suddenly, you know, three quick wickets, 100 for three. He just thought, oh, it's, you know, it's another 92 to win. There's still seven wickets in hand. They went to lunch, 118 for three. India felt in, in relative control of the game. And then straight after lunch, uh, Jadeja hitting a full toss uh, to Bairstow for four. And then Safraz out first ball and another short leg catch. He was actually given not out. England absolutely confident. They reviewed it. 120 for five and suddenly game on. And then Jarrell and Gill got together and just calmed everything down. And, and it, things stopped happening, didn't it? Just shut him on this pitch. The ball did spin. It did keep low. But if you were, if you were measured... And you took your time and trusted your technique. You could stick around and you could score runs. There were a couple of low balls, weren't there? I noted that. There's a couple of low balls that missed the stumps. They spun and, and went past the stumps rather than go straight on. Yeah, and like that one on the first day when, when Ben Stokes uh, was bowled. I, I mean, interesting pitch. I mean, I think it did play a bit better, actually, than it looked. And and that's often the way in India. People It gets into people's minds and they see the cracks. I suppose the thing is, percentage-wise, how often does the ball land on the plate and how often does it land on the crack? Probably, you know, it lands on the plate a lot more than it lands on the crack because I suppose, obviously the, the plates yeah, are bigger than the cracks. Yeah, sure. I, I, I mean, you know, there is also, the more you see a pitch do something, the more there, there is pressure on the bowler to keep their accuracy and, and, and keep their expectation of wickets. And the, the batsmen are trying to put them under pressure so there's a psychological game going on here, a duel going on, with the bowler expected to do well and the batter under pressure, but the, but the batter can turn that pressure back on the bowler and understand what are the sh- shots that you should and shouldn't play. You learn from the progress of a match that maybe you put the sweep away, for instance, because the ball's keeping low. So a couple of uh, wickets to sweeps early in the match. And as time went on, batsmen stopped playing the sweep. So they sort of understand you know, what are the percentage shots. Again, going back to the England bowlers, the way they held it together, those two young spinners, with that burden of expectation, with the pressure, with knowing how good the Indians are in their own conditions, with the series on the line, they held themselves together superbly and and bowled you know exactly the right places. You you mentioned that wicket of Jadeja there to a full toss. I think that was the only bad ball that Bashir bowled in what was it overall? He bowled twenty six overs, three for seventy nine. Uh, so he was conceding just on three runs and over, a couple of sixes towards the end. But generally, he held them in check throughout absolutely superbly. Yeah, he's got a test match you can look back on with great pride. Eight for 198. Just a, a couple of areas you you look back on what might have been. I mean, I, I think you know, India did bowl well yesterday against uh, England's you know, de- decent uh, batting lineup, and England didn't... Did, weren't able to cobble together enough runs. You know, look back on some of the moments in the game. You know, we did talk about it, didn't we, about that ruthlessness at the end of England's first innings when they made 353, but they lost their last three wickets for six runs. And we, we saw the Robinson uh, reverse sweep when he was actually batting really nicely in an orthodox fashion. Then we saw show Bashir have a huge hoik at one second ball when Joe Root was batting well at the other end. And we, and we actually saw 
Bashir cling on, didn't we, with Folks yesterday? You know, when he did trust his technique a bit, he was able to survive. Okay, Folks wasn't able to score at the other end. Anyway, they might have lost, a, left a few runs out. And we talked about that ruthlessness, didn't we? That, you know, when you get into that position, you do not give the opposition anything. It was Ollie Robinson's drop catch when Juve Durrell had. 59, one that probably should have been taken at mid-wicket. You know, there, you know, there's sort of like, there were sort of cluster of runs that there were sort of that they were left out there in the in a way uh, for England, or they could have denied India. And you know, 250 to win might have been a bit of a handful. I mean, I was always thinking 300. England needed 300. If you get 300 ahead, then you feel pretty confident on that pitch. You can go on and, and win the match. But they weren't able to manoeuvre themselves into that position. They needed that 100-run lead and they needed 200 in their second innings. And they didn't get either of those two things because of India's excellence. I mean, they are the they are a good team in any conditions, India. But at home, goodness me, they, they do take some stopping, as that record shows over you know the last uh, decade or so, even without so many of their top players it, there's a there's a massive pool of talent in indian cricket and you, know, you you need to be good to go there and ransack the citadel and and topple them you do you certainly do uh it's 10 days until the final test match in dharamshala uh, which starts on march the 5th and in between that you can watch some other interesting sports on TNT Sports, uh, which is the exclusive home of the UEFA Champions League, Europa League and Europa Conference League, as well as showing Premier League football, plus rugby, MotoGP, boxing, UFC, NBA and more. And the highlights of the fourth day today's plays on TNT Sports tonight at 7pm. But I mentioned lots of other interesting matches on TNT and one of them is the first test between New Zealand, currently top of the World Test Championship, and Australia in third place. And that match starts on Wednesday night at 9.30pm and it's from Wellington in New Zealand and you can see that also on TNT Sports. Stream TNT on Discovery or watch TNT Sports channels on EE Sky and Virgin Media. A subscription is required, aged 18+. plus. TNCs apply. So after the break, we'll hear from Paul Hawkins about all the controversies surrounding Hawkeye. So the final test match in this series starts on Thursday week in Dadhamshala. It might be that everyone's going to need their jumpers for that game although I noticed Joe Root was wearing his uh, during this match well I, yesterday morning was it 16 degrees at the start of the of the day's play anyway they're, they're heading north eventually it's a, it's a strange situation isn't it really I know it's the World Chess Championship match but the series has gone so I hang around 10 days for the last Test match. I mean, actually, fascinating build-up. If it had been two-two, it's not um, as it wasn't in the in the Ashes last summer. So England have to sort of rouse themselves for for one more game. Presumably, uh, Bumrah is going to be back, but they they will get the sort of the lovely fresh air of the of the Himalayas and the wonderful sight as well, the wonderful scenery of the Himalayas. They were there uh, during the World Cup. Yeah, still a Test match to play. Well, I think it's a shame that they if they don't get the chance to spend a bit of time, a bit of downtime in Dharamshala because. It is unique in India. Well, it's the, certainly the most unique place I've ever been to in India anyway, where you're halfway up a mountain and literally within 10 minutes of leaving the hotel, you can walk into what feels like alpine forests and up to cl- close to the snow line and, you know, climb over a few boulders and see some spectacular views. I know Harry Brook explored it when he was uh, at the World Cup. Uh, and I think he went out there with uh, Reese Topley, actually, and, they, and, and Gus Atkinson, I think they had a little bit of a, a trek up the mountain. I mean, it is the most beautiful setting, absolutely stunning. There's a cable car you can take down the mountain to the, the little town of McLeod Gange, which, uh, where you find a lot of Tibetan monks, and it is completely different to most of India. So I, I urge the players, if they can, to take a bit of time out and just refresh themselves. If they want to get away from cricket and, and sport generally and the pressure of being an international sportsman that is the, a, a brilliant sinecure so opportunities there if they if they have them yeah I mentioned England and the World Cup they did win when they played in Dharamshala they hammered uh, Bangladesh near the start of the tournament and actually I've seen the winner one day international in Dharamshala I don't know perhaps those that type of conditions might suit them a bit better but 
we'll see. Yes, yeah, wonderful, wonderful place to to watch cricket and wonderful place uh, to be as well. As long as you have your jumper, I do remember having an evening meal with my coat on. It was it was that cold in the hotel in which we were staying, getting everything out of my case suitcase at night and putting it over the the blanket that they'd given us in the hotel room. It was it was it was nippy, but it was it was lovely during the day. Sort of beautiful temperature around about sort of low twenties and that sort of gentle warmth that you often get in an, an English May when it's sunny. I think there'll be a lot of English fans actually at that test match as well. So it might feel like a, almost a sort of home from home with the biggest white sight screens in the world uh, at the back of the ground at one end, the foothills of the Himalayas. The other good thing about being in Durham Charlotte uh, for now will be it might just take England's minds off Hawkeye and DRS because it has aroused some controversy and some comment uh, with some of the margin of decisions. England have felt at times a bit hard done by and there have been a few comments about the veracity, the accuracy of Hawkeye. So I thought we'd get uh, Paul Hawkins, the founder of Hawkeye, onto this show. He goes back actually to the early days of Channel 4 cricket when he saw the coverage that we were producing, this is in the early 2000s, really enjoyed it, said he had a, an idea for how we could track the ball and project where it would go after hitting the pad. And so Hawkeye was born in cricket before any other sport, before tennis or football or VAR or anything. And obviously it's, it's evolved into the DRS system, but it, it's a complicated system and there are lots of rather ill-informed comments, I think, about how accurate it is and whether the people manipulate the tracks and things like that and whether the ball is pitching on leg stump or outside leg stump, how is that all calculated, why isn't their umpire's call for where it pitched and so on. So I thought I'd put all those questions to Paul Hawkins. So I asked him, first of all, to explain who's involved in the process of adjudicating a DRS decision. So... There's three people typically um, on the Hawkeye tracking side of, of the system um, and then another person that does ultra edge in a typical production. Uh, so one person's doing the virtuality, the output side of things, and there's two independent people that do the tracking. So there's no single point of failure. So other than the cameras come into the two independent tracking systems, there's two sets of computers, two separate operators. And so every single ball you know, you've got essentially two watches and you're checking that they're always the same and, and you've got that quality control between between the two systems. So before every day, the, the guys will go out and measure the width of the stumps. And so that gets in, entered into the system. So you're working off of the actual width of those stumps and, you know, and, and places like Lord where the, there's a slope, you're going to see whether the stumps are vertical or whether they're perpendicular to the ground and take into account those kind of issues. So you, so you, you calibrate the system for the environment that it's there. And then there's a process of, as I say, two independent trackers and then a good process that's evolved in terms of quality control that there is a van camera, um, which is more an, an internal process making sure people aren't on their phones and, and you know, keeping on, that, on our staff. But the, the best thing in terms of quality control is that an automatic screen grab of the tracking system is taken at the point that everyone's happy that the, the answer is going to go to air um, and that automatically goes to the ICC. So whilst it would never go to broadcast because there's lots of um, intellectual property within those screen grabs for the internal quality control for the people that you know need to make sure that the technology providers are, are providing accurate answers that's all all done there is a process established for, for, for doing that so that slightly uh, responds to the clamors from people like michael vaughan that the the system should be more transparent and there should be cameras in the truck to show what's going on yeah it does and it's unfortunate i think you know the thing that came out of this as much is, is I think the, the actual accuracy of the system in these, um, this system, the example is, is very good. The believability and the storytelling, both I think there's a little bit on, on Hawkeye in terms of the presentation, but equally then the commentary, I think is a little bit uneducated. It's it unfortunate from Vaughan because, you know, obviously a fantastic player, really enjoyed watching him play and, and a great commentator, very entertaining and whatever. But I think, is a responsibility to the game in terms of as a journalism. I, I, I do think he perhaps could look at see whether the efforts he goes to 
to be the best in the world at his cricketer, perhaps a little bit more preparation in terms of his, his role as a journalist may help him explain what's happening to to the, the huge fan base of, of of cricket so that, you know, what he writes is is actually factually correct. In the same way as Hawkeye has an obligation to put what we, we put to air to be factually correct, perhaps journalists do too. So just going back to the process, uh, and I, 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 you know, obviously I've sat in the truck and watched them operate as well. I, I get the impression that there's one person who's responsible for the tracking and who will check, you know, periodically, maybe almost every ball, but certainly every couple of balls or every over or whatever. He'll check that the track matches the actual ball uh, that's coming down. So you can line that up. And then there are two other people who are then monitoring the virtual version of that. Is that how it works? And you've got an ultra edge uh, specialist as well, just me- measuring sound against vision. Yeah, the, so the ultra edge is almost like a separate bit. And yes, you've got three people as part of the core core tracking side of things. One is to say who can do the checking. The other two are more the tracking side of things. And they're all working as a team to, to make sure that everything is in alignment. And, and yes, it's not just LBWs. That every single, particularly balls which um, have been left or, or past the wickets, then you can check of in the of you can track it all the way to where it passes the stumps, and then stop the tracking at any point previous to that, and ensure that your your answers align. So so that constant process of of checking and double checking, a bit like a good captain on a ship you know, doesn't just assume that everything's working. They'll always be walking the decks and, and being proactive and looking for, for um, any, any, anything that could go wrong. Clearly, 99% of the time there isn't, but, but that level of professionalism is very much built into uh, the whole car price. You know, someone argued too much so when you, you now become quite used to seeing, you know, ball tracking when available and, and the, 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 TV umpire saying that it's because that process of checking has become very you know built into the the operator's mindset that you know they've got as much pride in their work as the umpires getting the calls right and the batsmen and the bowlers and everything like that they're professionals and, and that's their contribution to the game so so you know they're not they're just there for a holiday and pressing some buttons and sitting back and and um, enjoying the cricket is it possible to manipulate a track you know, people have said, oh, you know, someone moved the track or whatever. Is that is that possible to do? Well, so it's not a fully automatic system in so much as the operator does have a role in ensuring that um, that everything is right. And part of the calibration process, as I've said, you've got to go and measure the stumps. So you can measure the stumps and if you go and write in the wrong number into the, the system. So if that operator didn't do their job properly, the system would be less accurate. But that's why, A, there's lots of operators that you would need to corrupt all of them, I suppose. And you then have a problem that with the transparency that goes through to the, the ICC, um, that that it would get exposed at that point. So it sounds like it's pretty foolproof. Pretty and, and is anything a hundred? You know, planes still fall out of the sky and stuff like that. But an awful lot of effort and pride is gone to make and and now years of experience of taking every single learning opportunity and obviously the years before we came DRS to, to get there as well to make it as absolutely foolproof as as possible. And and you know to. Humans being part of that process absolutely makes sense because humans are clever and for some things they're better than computers at doing it. So getting that engineering compromise between what's best to be done by computers and what's best to have some form of human input is all designed to give the most accurate, reliable, consistent system possible. Um, And we're very passionate about doing that to the best best of class. Now, lots of talk about, say, the Joe Root LBW uh, yesterday, uh, people saying it didn't pitch outside leg or it did pitch outside leg, and it was very much a, a case of half and half. So how is that calculated? Well, so firstly, you measure the width of the stumps on, on each day. So that then becomes the the line between what's what's pitched in line and what's not pitched in line. And... You know, it was a very close one. It's it, it's one that in tennis, you know, you, you will occasionally get a zero millimeters in or zero, you know, zero millimeters out uh, scenario. And tennis have decided that it's not out until there's 
there's it's not zero millimeters it's one millimeter out so actually we in tennis we shift the bounce mark just for a presentation perspective so a zero millimeters in becomes a one millimeter in and so you can clearly see um the the, the mark um, but that's just a presentation thing there's nothing different with the, the tracking or the answer it just makes it clearer to the viewer um and and doesn't become a talking point we don't do, I think the, the first thing to say is, is when you fly over, the, it would have been clearer on TV if the track had, had have come off the ball so you can see the ball more clearly over the line, which happens automatically if the ball has pitched outside leg stump because at that point, the track is irrelevant because as soon as it's pitched outside, like what happened? But unfortunately, since this had just pitched in line, the track is still relevant for whether it went on to hit the stumps or whatever. So the track remained on the ball so it camouflages where the ball exactly was in fact i did a i i actually froze the tv pictures yes before the track came on and obviously it's just a, a photograph of a screen so it wasn't very clear but it looked as if you know there may have been a one millimeter more in than out kind of thing yeah. as in your tennis example and, and i think that's right if it, when you fly over the top you, you, there is one millimetre more. It must be one millimetre more in than out because otherwise we wouldn't have, have, have said it's pitched in, in line. But it is a very close one. The, you know, at the high level of what Hawkeye aims to achieve is to prevent officiating being the story. The fact that we're talking about it means that we failed in this instance. So whilst I think our answer is correct, you know, as per the, 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 the laws, we've given the right answer, but we failed in the ability to not be the story. And perhaps there's a learning opportunity in terms of our presentation of stuff to make the, those really close ones slightly clearer. So, so you know, the, the, everyone goes, yeah, fine, and move on with the game. And, and, and that's something that I'm sure Hawkeye will, will look to address. Yeah, in a way, it sounds like you could apply what you've learned in tennis to just make it very clear, uh, you know, that it is 1% more in than out sort of thing. Yes. So 51%, 49, rather than what looked like a 50-50 there. Um, and what about the the Joe Root LBW in, in another innings where it looks as if the ball, the track was missing the stumps? Explain that one. Yeah, and it's been, you know, Crawley and twice with Root. We've had very, very close, you know, 51 percenters kind of thing in this series. You know, um, Hawkeye's is the service provider it's the icc who decide so the, the regulations but but the, the plane of the stumps is uh, a simple rectangle the top of the rectangle is the the height of the top of the bales and the and the sides of it are, are the sides of the stumps which means obviously the top left and top right hand corner is a rectangle with with 90 degree angles it is slightly different to the model of of the, the stumps and i think root had one where as per the ICC regulations, that's what they want. It's it's hitting, but it you know the, the, those regulations don't take into account the sort of like the the, the fact that the bales aren't at their at their highest at the very corners. So in other words, the calculation area is slightly different from the image of the stumps themselves, and you're putting the image of the stumps themselves on the graphic, but the calculation is using precise ninety degree angles, which don't take into account the bales have a little dip at the ends where they fit into the grooves. That's absolutely right. But far bigger evidence is the stumps vary in width from ground to ground by far greater margins than we're talking about there. And they're not vertical by great, greater margins. So in terms of the overall context of, you know, a desired, if, if you decided you wanted to get to 0.1 millimeters, you've got lots of other things you need to kind of change other than, other than those ones. Final question, uh, Ben Stokes has, sort of suggested that he he thinks he'd get rid of umpire's call entirely. Although, of course, in the last innings of this test match, he survived because of an umpire's call, which was just clipping, was given not out. And he would have been given out if, obviously, the umpire had given it out. So what what what, what do you think about that? Get, getting rid of umpire's call, what, what's the argument for keeping umpire's call, in your view? Well, let me just give you a bit of the history. So the reason that umpire's call started... Um, was David Richardson had the, the job when he was in charge of the ICC of bringing in DRS. And for him, that was uh, bringing together lots of different um, points of view. Does, is there anything everyone agrees with in, in, in cricket? And he had a tough sell to the umpires that, um, that, that you know, had to sell it. This is only for the, the, the big errors and, and things like that. And the umpires were very against uh, DRS coming in. From their own perspective, they didn't want to be shown to be wrong. And so the original umpire's calls areas modelled 
the way that umpires were evaluated at international level. So, so if they'd got an LBW wrong, that they had that margin of error of what the original umpire's calls was for whether they get marked down for, for doing it or not. So initially it was on the stumps, half the stumps width and half the ball for, for um, whether he got hit in line, half the ball. And, but, but for pitching, they, if, if it pitched outside or, or, or didn't, there was no margin for error in terms of their evaluation. So that was the starting point because it was a good way to sell it to the umpires in terms of what a big error kind of, kind of was. And you know, when you start, you don't really know how it's going to evolve. You know, it's only since then really changed in two ways. And I was involved in the ICC cricket committee meetings at the time. I haven't been involved in them obviously since to see whether what discussion there has been. Um, so obviously that's not really a factor anymore because people have got used to it. If you start from scratch, is there a reason for umpires call? Probably not. Um, most other sports, it would be definitive. It's it, it's out or on or not out. Certainly the hitting in line one feels. Um, it feels that I can't really see that, that it had to justify that. The kind of the argument was to try and make sure you maintain the fabric of the game. And the one that looks like it's sliding down the leg side, um, that clips the outside of leg stump, you know, historically kind of felt not out and often would be given not out. And would you be changing the fabric of the game by, by making that out? I think people have got used to DRS enough now and obviously the umpires that are umpiring have kind of recalibrated to that. But that's probably less of a factor now than it was when when it started. So, you know, I, th- I think the best thing to do for all these things is to, before bringing it into international cricket, just try different formats at a slightly lower end of the, of the game, see what kind of works. And then you can evolve the playing regulations based on actual hard evidence rather than kind of guessing how it would change the, the, change the fabric of the game. So... Umpire's call is not there as a, a sort of guard against the projection not being 100% correct. Correct. That is, uh, we are a lot, lot more accurate than the size of the umpire's call area. And uh, you mentioned there, you know, using lower forms of the game to test out, you know, different ways of doing this. So I guess you'd be quite uh, encouraged in a way hearing the story that with your iHawk system, where umpires are wearing, umpires in County Wicket are wearing. GoPros that that are attached to a sort of simplified Hawkeye system that England have used that to identify the value of height and consistency in these two young spinners, Tom Hartley and and Shoaib Bashir, partly identified uh, through the use of iHawk, demonstrating their trajectories being potentially valuable in India. Yep, that's absolutely right. And iHawk's been a great success. iHawk's a little way away from being um, able to be used for for DRS. Hopefully we'll get there. But undoubtedly for scouting and and hopefully from a player improvement, iHawk's definitely added value in determining is A better than B and and, player scouting. I think hopefully it's helping in in making A and B better. Um, And then the coaching and the improvement side of things too. Um, and equally, you know, certainly some of the ECB umpires have really engaged with it in terms of making themselves better as umpires themselves. You know, the, the types of umpires that are yet to be on the international panel and, and are less used to, to having IOC information um, there. So, yeah, it's a really exciting area for the, for the business of trying to bring the technology that's the, that's at the international game down and hopefully all the way down to, to, to grassroots and amateur cricket too. So, so county cricket, county championship, are they going to be all umpires now equipped with that system for this year? Yeah, pretty much. There's a few ones that, that won't be buds. But, you know, last year was overall a success. There were some teething issues and all the rest of it. But um, but, but definitely it's all tracky in the right trajectory. And, and you'll see it as very commonplace in, in all of county cricket this year and hopefully a little bit on the broadcast too. One thing I think is interesting about that, actually, uh, what he, what Paul Hawkins says is that there is, you know, in a way that the umpire's call was brought in to really help the umpires and sell DRS and Hawkeye to the umpires. And they are sold on it now, presumably. Uh, I mean, one or two may still have misgivings about it. But does that mean that we don't need umpire's call anymore? Now that all the umpires are bought into it and everyone's accustomed to the system... Maybe it means we don't need umpire's call anymore because it's not there, as I was under the impression, to sort of protect the possibility of there being a, a tiny miscalculation or, you know, that the fact it's not 100% accurate 
So it just gives you a bit of margin of error, if you like, umpire's call. But Paul Hawkins is saying it's not there for that reason. No, it's there to, to keep the umpires as, as, as part of the game. Well, I mean, Ben Stokes said you should get rid of umpire's call. I mean, again, I presume he means if it's hitting, it's out. You know, simple as that. Get, you know, get rid of it. If it's flicking the stumps, you're out LBW. Of course, we talked about this yesterday, that, and we talked about it there. It makes the stumps uh, bigger. In, in the old days when umpires used to give them not out, you know, there was a sort of benefit of the doubt. They were also, oh, yeah, if it's clipping or that, you know, that that you hear it even now. Or if it's clipping, it's a good decision to give it not out because there's got to be an element of doubt. But actually, is there? I don't know. I mean, I actually think the system works pretty well. It also creates a bit of drama, doesn't it, as well? You know, that, that sort of theatre of trying to, Get the umpire to raise the finger. You know it's a tight one. Can you get? The, can you persuade him with your appeal? Perhaps we could experiment for a while with umpire's Without call it, yeah. being, being yeah. out. I mean, the whole what, time. what is what interesting happens. also is is that Joe Root in in that dismissal where it showed the track actually missing the stumps possibly has a case. Not the one pitching outside leg or on leg. That that was clearly out, or at least the technology said it was out. But there was one where Joe Root claims that the ball showed the track on the TV monitor, showed it missing the stumps. And what Paul Hawkins said is that the, the, the image of the stumps on the screen with the bales, uh, which have you know smaller areas where they go into the grooves, isn't the same as the use of a, of a rectangle for actually measuring the shape of the stumps in the computer version. So actually, the ball that Joe Root was out to, was given out to, could have been missing because it would have gone over the top of the corner of the stumps, which are a little bit lower than the middle of the stumps because the bales stick up, don't they? And the, the bales stick up in the middle of the stumps, but at the corners of the stumps, they, the, the bales are smaller. So actually, that ball could have been missing. But in the track, because they're using a, a, a clean rectangle to measure the shape of the stumps, it said it was out. Yeah, it can, it can get quite complicated and quite confusing. I, I thought yeah, well, there were a few interesting things that Paul said there. I and mean, one of them was, I mean, he, I think he's he's constantly trying to present Hawkeye in as good a light as possible. So I think he, say, he says, you know, I think if there's controversy, then in a way Hawkeye's not probably done its job in the way I would hope it to do. You know, I don't want there to be controversy. I don't want this to be about Hawkeye. I want it to be about the cricket, to really aid the cricket. And I think that's a really you know good point and a good approach to take. So that it may be that they'll go away and have a look at how they present yeah. their graphics and their information to make it as, you know, really as clear as possible for the for the viewer and for all the cricket pundits as well and, and, and the commentators. So it's you know it's absolutely clear. And there is there are none of these controversies uh, and debates. I thought it was the other th- interesting thing as well, you know, we do have a camera in the truck to, you know, make sure people are not on their phones, basically make make sure they're they're concentrating at work and, and doing their job. And everything that we every screen grab goes to the ICC for them to review. Yeah, you know, this that's idea there is some transparency. I think you know, there, I think you know, Michael's made his comments. I don't agree with them personally, and I think Paul has answered them. There is this quality control. There are always tight decisions in cricket matches. I mean, goodness me, you think of some of the umpiring controversies over the years when teams would play in England or in other countries, and you say, oh, that's not out. Look at that. You can see it on TV. That's a terrible decision. And the, and the rucks that created and the Ferrari in the media and out on the field as well, generally. You often see players or cursing the umpires they walk past. Well, they don't anymore, do they? I mean, they might think, oh, I'm not sure about the technology on that one when they go back and have a look at it on their computers but you don't see that dissent now so I, I actually really like the decision review system I, th- I think it's done a lot for the game it's all helped the players it's helped the umpires it's great theatre as well and I always go back to the point that I make that umpires guess because they're human whereas I think the technology uh, guesses less I, I mean I personally I, I, when it started I always thought that the technology wouldn't be used for prediction. It wouldn't be used for LBW. What it would be used, though, for would be inside edges at short leg. You know, you'd often, you'd, I'd often see test, test matches, and I think, has he hit that? Has he really hit that? And he's been given out at short leg, and you go back and see the replay, and he hadn't, or he had hit it, and he'd get away with it. So I, I, I thought it was for things that would be like really obvious. I didn't think it'd be used for prediction. I didn't think it'd be used for for LBWs. But I think you know, it's, it's worked pretty well. It's not a bad system. 
there aren't stacks and stacks of controversies, but there are some. And in a way, you could argue that that all adds to the gaiety of the game, doesn't it? It adds to the sort of talking points, gets people going, draws people in. The controversies often arouse, I think, uh, to, to back up the point you made there, because the display on the screen isn't yep. as clear and as meticulous as the the technicians uh, applying the technology to the decision, you know, the meticulousness of all those Hawkeye guys, and I've worked with many of them, and I see them, you know, turn up the day before the game to calibrate the stumps and work out exactly which where these zones should be and exactly where the cameras should be, and they check it and double-check it and triple-check it. So uh, it, that is, you know, very precise. But some of the displays of the ball on the screen, on the ball on the track, ball on the stumps... Ball, Ball on the on the pitch, for instance, are not that clear. And one of the the, the confusion around the Joe Root pitching outside leg stump was, in a way, uh, exacerbated by the fact the track, the ball track, obscured where the ball exactly was. And I actually put on, I posted on my own Twitter feed a still of the ball before the track arrives. On the, on the footage, and you can see there exactly where the ball is. It is pretty much half and half, in and out of legs, the line of leg stump, but the technology said it was just 1% more on the line of the leg stump than off, so it pitched on, and, and that's it. In this game of very fine margins, you know, as I said yesterday, you can you can feather the slightest feather through to the keeper, and that is out, and that is the nature of, of fine margins in cricket. It also strikes me as well, Yoz, perhaps to, to wrap up this now, talking about technology, you think the knots that football is in over VAR and in a way how much more serenely the ship is sailing in calm waters in cricket and we we don't really get these sort of controversies uh, very often. Perhaps, you know, I don't actually think we should have had them in this series either. Personally, I, I think there's been a lot of a lot of smoke and no fire, really. I, I really do. People should just get on with it. Okay, uh, you can lobby perhaps behind the scenes, talk about what you th- you know how you think the system could change it. Perhaps we could get rid of umpires' call and just have everything that hits the stumps being out. Perhaps you could experiment with that for, for I don't know for two years in cricket and see what happens as a result. Do we need to? I don't think we we necessarily do. I think the system uh, works very well. But you know, meanwhile, across the water in football town, you know, <laughs> the, it's it's raging. It rages every match, doesn't it? Every single game, just about. You know, there's a VAR. A controversy and they are grappling with it it's a different type of game of course cricket is, is far more stop start football far more fluid and shorter but inevitably technology was going to come into football because you know like in cricket you could see so many wrong decisions you know people nicking it and not being given out whatever in football there have been lots of incorrect decisions but it just seems they're actually making more incorrect decisions and trying to work the protocols out the protocols actually work quite well in cricket and have done uh, for a long time no, that, no that's a good view and, and tell us what you think we'd like to know what you think about this mm-hmm. when I posted the Joe Root decision on Twitter it had about 2.7 thousand uh, likes and loads and loads of replies so tell us what you think about the future of Hawkeye and how it's operating uh, maybe some suggestions about other ways of displaying the technology on the screen you can email us at the analyst podcast at gmail.com the analyst podcast at gmail.com and we'll read out uh, the best and most interesting of your replies later in the week as I said there is a gap now before the fifth test in 10 days time and also perhaps some suggestions as well if you've got any suggestions on how the system could be improved do you like it or do you think that umpires call could be done away with and we we, we will just have a system where the, the stumps are are a little bit bigger and perhaps give a bit more back uh, to the bowlers anyway yeah let you can Get, get in touch with us and uh, we'll be back uh, for the next test match but we'll pro- probably be back before then anyway yours with another podcast 10 days is a long time to, to in the podcast not have world us, <laughs> not have us in your lives yeah absolutely well we'll give you a few days off <laughs> but we'll be back towards the end of the week so thanks very much for listening the fifth test begins on the 7th of march in 10 days time we'll be back of course to bring you a review of every day's play of that series in the meantime if you like this podcast like it and subscribe, follow us, and you'll get it automatically to your device. This, of course, is in association with TNT Sports. Thanks to them, and thanks to you for listening.
Social Podcast Network.